ಬಂದಿದೆ ಬಂದಿದೆ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಹಿರಿಯರೇ ಇತರ ರಾಜಾರಾಣಿ ಹತ್ತೋಣ ನಾವು ಅವರ ನೆನಪಿನ ದೋಣಿ ಕೇಳುತ್ತಾ ಖುಷಿ ಪಡೋಣ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಕೇಳ್ತಾನೆ ಖುಷಿ ಪಡೋಣ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಕೇಳ್ತಾನೆ ಖುಷಿ ಪಡೋಣ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿ ಇದು ಹಿರಿಯರ ಕತೆ ಹಿರಿಯರ ಜೊತೆ ನಿಮ್ಮ ಹಿರಿಯರ ವಾಣಿಯಲ್ಲಿ ಕೇಳ್ತಾನೆ ಇರಿ ಖುಷಿಯಾಗಿರಿ ಹಲೋ ಲಿಸ್ನರ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಯೋರ್ ಆರ್ ಜೆ ತ್ರಿಶ್ಲಾ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಐ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಯು ಆಲ್ ಟು ಅನುಭವ್ ಅ ಜಾಯಿಂಟ್ ಪ್ರಾಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ನ್ಯಾಷನಲ್ ಇನ್ಸ್ಟಿಟ್ಯೂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಸೋಷಿಯಲ್ ಡಿಫೆನ್ಸ್ ಮಿನಿಸ್ಟ್ರಿ ಆಫ್ ಸೋಷಿಯಲ್ ಜಸ್ಟಿಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಎಂಪಾವರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಗವರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಮೀಡಿಯಾ ಫಾರ್ ಕಮ್ಯುನಿಟಿ ಫೌಂಡೇಶನ್ ಇಂಪ್ಲಿಮೆಂಟೆಡ್ ಬೈ ನೈನ್ಟೀನ್ ಗೀಲ್ಸ್ ಮೆಡಿಕಲ್ ಟ್ರಸ್ಟ್ ಪ್ರಾಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಕನ್ಸೀವ್ಡ್ ಬೈ ಡಾಕ್ಟರ್ ಆರ್ ಶ್ರೀಧರ್ ಪ್ರಾಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಇನ್ವೆಸ್ಟಿಗೇಟರ್ ಅಲೋಕ್ ವರ್ಮಾ ಕೋಆರ್ಡಿನೇಟರ್ಸ್ ಪೂಜಾ ಮುರುದ ಸಾಯಿ ಸುಧಾ ಕೌಶಲ್ಯ ಗವರ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಇನಿಷಿಯೇಟೆಡ್ ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಲಿ ಟೋಲ್ ಫ್ರೀ ನಂಬರ್ ಒನ್ ಫೋರ್ ಫೈ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಸೆವೆನ್ ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಎನಿ ಒನ್ ಆನ್ ಬಿಹಾಫ್ ಆಫ್ ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಸ್ ಕೆನ್ ಕಾಲ್ ಬಿಟ್ವೀನ್ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಏಟ್ ಎ ಎಮ್ ಟು ಏಟ್ ಪಿ ಎಮ್ ಫಾರ್ ಎನಿ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಕ್ವೆರೀಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಸಪೋರ್ಟ್ ಟು ಎಲ್ಡರ್ಲಿ Uh, as users of restaurants because i know there are lots of questions is it vegetarian do they use roll over food on buffet there are lots of questions and we happy to address them as we go along so first of all i just like to start by saying uh, what is food what is food food is more than just a means of survival it's more than just fuel it's more than just proteins calories carbohydrates whatever it's a lot has to do with the cultural identity of the people who make that food eat that food in it each city each country each region each state has its own culture and that gets contributed and exemplified in the food they make so it is varies and just eating the food of a different region or a different town gives you a glimpse into what's happening in that food connects us to our roots uh, if you come from a region which is basically rice growing then that's what is the base staple if we come from a region which is wheat growing then that's the staple but it connects us very strongly to our roots and over the years that is what we prefer and choose as we go forward um food gives us the opportunity to get a glimpse into somebody else's culture uh in parts of india itself we have this food with lots of chili and uh, there's a culture there's a reason behind there are parts of the world where they eat lots of vegetables they eat vegetables which we would not even think of eating here um they eat rice they eat noodles they eat spicy they have soups some cultures they start their meal with a hot beverage or a hot soup some cultures finish their meal with a cold beverage and a cold soup and what the main course or what is the main food again varies from place to place um food is very important because it allows us to bond with families and friends you can't think of going for a get together meeting people and there's nothing there there has to be something the first question that comes to mind is hey we're having 10 people over or we're having three people or two of us are meeting let's meet for a cup of coffee or what is it that we want eat so there has to be food which is on the table the food becomes really really important it's central to that it's one of the main pillars of any gathering where people want to come and they want to have food is the volume of the function 
Uh, is there a problem with the audio? Uh, I can't hear. You're muted. It is not the audio is not clear. Not yes, clear. I think. It's a breaking. It is breaking. I think the vol volume is a bit low or something. Okay. I'm going to try and change headset on my end. Just a moment. Please. It's not like we can't hear. We can, but it is a bit low. Very low. Low volume. Is that better? Yeah, it's better. Yeah, I think it is a little better. Okay. So, um, this is one of the main gatherings of, it's one of the main pillars of any gathering. You have a gathering, there has to be. It's a happy occasion, it's a sad occasion, there's no occasion, there still has to be food. So, food is really, really important to all of us, not just pure. And that's what takes us to what goes into the restaurant. The restaurant is a business. And as a business, it exists purely to make money. It's not a charity. It's a business. It's a business to make money. And that's what's really, really important when building, designing, conceptualizing, and creating a restaurant. It aims to fill the gaps between need and what is uh, required. It gives for convenience, it could be there to fill up social needs, it could be there for cultural needs, it could be there for nostalgic needs, but restaurants exist to provide a service. It fills a gap and it connects you back. Um, and of course, uh, I said earlier, like food connecting you to different cultures, restaurants give you an opportunity to look into different cultures. So a restaurant is more than just a, tape, a room with a collection of tables and chairs and food and plates and glasses. A restaurant is about connecting you to a completely different culture or your own culture. It's about giving, filling a gap of convenience. It's a, filling a gap of nostalgia. It's filling a gap of a term which is used very often called comfort. What is comfort? Comfort food is nothing but food that you've grown up eating and you're very comfortable with. It's food that you just enjoy eating and it's great fun. Um, so then you go to what? makes a restaurant successful. Believe it or not, between 70 and 80% of all restaurants will be in a financial loss at the end of year one. Very, very few restaurants actually make money. And that's uh, an unfortunate truth. And less than 5% of the restaurants will survive three years into the business. Because restaurants are done very often on a whim and a fancy. Hey, let's make a restaurant. You know what? It's a good idea. I can make good food. My friend makes good food. Why don't we give people this food? And then you put it down together and you start making it without realizing that it's a business. And like any business, it has to be extremely well planned. Uh, otherwise, it will fail. And that's what happens to most restaurants. Um, restaurants need to be very clear on who that customer is. Okay, of what they want. Now, you can look at restaurants that have survived. Uh, you can take, I'm just going to list out some names. CTR in Malaysia, Koshi's, the only place. Uh, MTR, Vidyarthi Bhavan, Rice Bowl for Chinese, India Coffee House on uh, MG Road, uh, Barbecue Nation, which is one of the new age restaurants, Poit, which is a microbrewery and one of the new age restaurants. 
Um, you've got Leopold in Bombay or Moti Mahal in Delhi, or you've got mainland China, which is a pan-India chain, or you've got Nizams in Calcutta, Rajdhani, which is a vegetarian Rajasthani. These are all restaurants that have survived, and the list goes on. But very rarely do we remember the names of the restaurants which did not make because they just didn't survive. They just didn't give customers what they wanted. And that's what makes a restaurant successful. Being able to get customers to come back in again and again, give them an experience, give them food, connect them to their roots, connect them to different cultures. And that's what a restaurant's all about. It's not just about the food, but it's about the food being great. Excuse me. Can yes, you hold please. the mic a little near your mouth, please? Sure. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Um, there, there are also restaurants which were great and they didn't survive. In Bangalore, I can think of Blue Fox, which used to be around for many, many years. Uh, there was Caesars, there was TGI Fridays, which is one of the new age restaurants. Again, these restaurants existed in Bangalore for many years. No one presumed they would die, but they died. Because customer needs changed, or customer profiles changed, or what the customer wants to eat changed. And when all of this has happened over the years, it goes back to what makes a few restaurants successful and what makes the rest of them fail. Or why was a restaurant designed to be successful and why is a restaurant not been, why has not enough thought gone into making a restaurant or making it successful? Um, restaurants are not created on gut feel or I have a great idea. It happens very often saying, hey, I have a great idea. You know what, if they can do it, so can I. My brother likes to cook, my wife likes to cook, my mother likes to cook, she makes great food. Why don't you open a restaurant? And that doesn't work because a restaurant has to consistently be able to provide a quality of food that people want, need, and there is a market for. And what the food is is not important. It doesn't have to be super high-end, affluent, fancy food and all that stuff. It just has to be food that there is a market for. Copycat restaurants don't last too long. There are many places, hey, he's making it, let me also make it. But it doesn't work. Copycat restaurants don't survive or rarely survive. And the most important thing about it, restaurants look a lot easier than they actually are. Creating, opening, managing a restaurant is a very complicated business which gives you very, very slim returns. So, hey, he's got a restaurant, he must be doing really well. No, restaurants are extremely difficult to run, extremely difficult to be successful, and very, very rarely do they make pots of money that people think they do. Now, there's been a development over the past 12 years which has made restaurants become very uh, interesting, and that's called MasterChef. And with MasterChef came along a whole lot of other cooking and reality shows where you watch two episodes, you get interested. You watch three episodes, even better. You watch five episodes and then suddenly you, a lot of people believe they're experts. Now, that has raised the bar or raised the expectations of a lot of customers of what they want and what they expected and experience. Uh, and that just made it a lot more difficult because the focus is not only on the food and the taste, but 
but now it's also on does it look like what i had or what i saw in this program or this reality show and if it looks so easy there then it should be possible for you to make something very similar for that for me too um so the first thing that you start with in any successful restaurant is clarity on concept and this is not a fancy management jargon you need to be clear where do you want to go what do you want to achieve before you can get there if you don't know what you want to achieve how do you plan you have to can't plan for it so you see some restaurants which have a sign saying north indian south indian tandoori chinese andhra hyderabadi all on one signboard and power to them if they can pull it off and then on the other end you have restaurants which are vegetarian burmese food and that's a very unusual restaurant is one that exists in bangalore and i believe you can't get a table without a reservation now one expects burmese food to be a little exotic but vegetarian burmese food i had never heard of it until i went saw this place i didn't go in because i couldn't get a table uh, and it's absolutely packed so restaurants are across the spectrum from the most simple food to something more sophisticated and to something that can be extremely sophisticated um so clarity is very important and then once you have that clarity in terms of what is the concept going to be for the restaurant the next thing is to decide a menu and uh, there are restaurants which have menus with 100 items and uh, unfortunately it's the same three or four cooks who are going to be making those hundred right so you can't possibly it's it's a lot of good luck if all those hundred items would rate 10 on that so one of the things i found and discovered over the years if you go to a restaurant which has a very limited menu because then you can expect that the staff cooking the food know exactly what they're cooking and they made it again and again and again and again or when, when i go to a restaurant i actually ask the server say okay what is your most popular dish i go have an example which i used with my daughter many years um we were driving somewhere in the city and we wanted to stop for lunch and a quick bite so we went to adigas well known quick service restaurant and i had a bisi balewat or something which is from the area my daughter who was all of 9 or 10 that time said she wanted to have noodles and she had the noodles that she said it was awful you go to adigas and you order noodles you can't expect to have good noodles they're not meant for noodles they're meant for south indian vegetarian similarly if you go to a north indian restaurant and they have noodles on the menu you shouldn't be wasting your time eating noodles in a restaurant which serves north indian what does the restaurant known for identify know that understand that and that's what you need for them then the menu is what will determine the equipment the menu is what will determine the talent now you'll come across restaurants uh, and that's just because of the reality of today's world where employment gets people to move from the corners to the parts you can see a young boy from nepal working in a madura idli shop making idli uh, well that's a profession but he never grew up making idlis he never grew up eating idli idlis is not his home so when you ask somebody to make something that they learned from a textbook or from a video 
It's very, very different from somebody who's learned and eaten it from childhood, off the day they started. Which brings you to the other slight gray area of we eat international food, we eat a pasta, we eat a pizza. Everybody likes to try something. Beg your pardon? Okay. Everybody likes to try something different, but we've got to be prepared for what we're eating may not necessarily be authentic. We may like the taste and that's fine. And that's what we're going there for, but it may not be authentic and accept. Making a pizza, which is something you all eat, uh, is being made by somebody who's learned how to do it by reading a textbook or watching a movie. He never grew up in Naples. Because getting a chef from Naples who's made pizza, has eaten pizzas, uh, to come down and do it in country like ours is prohibitively expensive. So obviously, we'll never do it. Similarly, it goes with Chinese food. We love Chinese food. Chinese food is perhaps the most popular food in the world. And each country has its own style of Chinese food. India has its own Chinese food. And it's very, very different from what the Chinese do. Good, bad, better, worse is different. It's not the issue. The issue is we eat it because it suits our palate. So what you eat in place A could be very different from what the original is. But as long as you like it and the taste is great and that's what it's been tailored for, then you've got a winning situation out there. Um, has food been, is it authentic or has it been localized? Now, authentic is not necessarily, is not only limited to the ingredients. Of course, getting the original ingredients or the authentic ingredients is not easy. Uh, for various reasons, partially because of costs and partially because of talent to manage those ingredients. Uh, it doesn't make sense to import ingredients um, because ideally everything should be localized. The fact that it's being imported will should cost through the roof. Leave alone that it's also got all the other ramifications of carbon footprints and why waste money on making something when you can get an alternative which makes something a little different here but people will enjoy it and eat it. Um, and is that what the customer wants? Now, for those of you who perhaps visited Calcutta, there used to be a Chinatown area called Tangra. And uh, that's where Indian Chinese food sort of originated. And uh, they've done a great job of it over the years. It doesn't have garam masala, but it's made for the Indian palate. Similarly, there's so many different styles of food which are made for that particular palate. Andhra food is spicy. I mean, no, it's spicy. But that's what that palate is all about. And that's what that culture, their region, the background is. So making a restaurant which serves Andhra food without making food spicy is sort of taking away from what it's all about. So authentic or localized, and eventually you land up customizing it to the local palate. The next problem that we have in restaurants is talent crunch. Um, things have changed over the past 30 years. A person who did a job believes or the legacy that they give their children is that their children have a better education, a better quality shot at life than they So there is an upward movement mobility in terms of skills and jobs that people look for. The employable category of people has increased significantly. So there are lots and lots of people who uh, are looking for jobs. And uh, as a result, 
you have people going across the country, different parts, different cities, learning new skills and new jobs. So getting somebody with a talent to cook is all the talent to serve is very, very challenging. I was talking with some of my hotel colleagues a few days back and we came to the conclusion that perhaps in about 15 years' time, hotels will have completely changed altogether. There has been a change. Restaurants, eating out in fancy restaurants was something that was the domain of only the very privileged, very few senior executives in government or corporate house. Today it's changed. Same thing for living in hotels, it's all changed. Uh, they've become actually a kind of a necessity. But the necessity is something that fits that market or fits, it's a, fits that peg is perhaps the right word. So getting talent, experienced talent who can actually cook what it is or serve what it is is becoming more and more difficult. As a result, the costs go up. And as a result, end of the day, uh, uh, the quality of service and the experience also deteriorates. So you will find there are some restaurants which have never changed. And I go back to the example of CTR and I go back to MTR and I can go back to Price Pool or I can go back to these restaurants that I just rattled off the names of at the beginning. Uh, what's made them successful is that they have got a loyal clientele. And the clientele is loyal because they consistently serve the same quality of food day in, day out, year after year. They're not successful because of their service. Nobody's there to say, thank you, man. Yes, sir, may I pour you a glass of water? Can I change your napkin? That's all. You don't go to those places for that experience. You're going there for the food. And that's what makes those restaurants really great. Other problem that restaurants have are encountering like many, many other businesses is efficiency. If 20 years ago it took a staff of 30 people to run a restaurant, today restaurants are being run by 20 people. But actually to make it run efficiently, you don't need more than 10. So getting efficiency into the system is very, very important. And this efficiency has to come at the cost of not compromising on the quality of service or the quality of food. But that's something that has happened. Uh, it's happened globally. And it eventually will have to happen in India as well. Otherwise, we will just not be able to uh, survive. Being a business, there are economics in any business. So in the restaurant business, uh, the single largest expense is the cost of the raw ingredients. So if for every 100 rupees of revenue, that, or 100 rupees that you sell, typically between 30 to 40 rupees will be the cost of the raw ingredients. That is called food cost. The second largest ingredient is the cost of the manpower or the kitchen staff, the restaurant staff, and that kind of stuff. And then, of course, is the rent or the cost of the real estate of the land of the place you use. These are important because understanding them is what makes a restaurant special. Somebody is buying ingredients for 50 rupees, he can't sell it to you for 70 rupees. So if you're paying a higher price, you have every right to expect higher quality ingredients and better but paying, expecting to pay 
a low price consequently cannot give you a high quality product. Of course, there's a mix and match. A cup of coffee may be sold for 25 rupees, but the cost of the coffee may be only 5 rupees. A portion of Italy may cost you 30 rupees and it may only cost you 7 rupees. But there are dishes which will cost you 30 rupees and may cost you 20 rupees. And that all averages out the end of the day. But the cost of raw ingredients typically will be between 30 and 35. In some places, could even go as high as 45 uh, of the dish cost of the dish sold. Selling price is always market driven. If the market can accept a hundred rupee for a plate of something, then that's what the price will be, and that is not driven by the cost. That's driven by what the market. Markets vary, um, and I say that if it's a place which is a comfortable place for a casual breakfast, a local casual breakfast, the pricing will be different. The same thing can be served in a fancy way in a fancy hotel, and the pricing will be different. Ingredients may be the same, the cooking method may be the same, the chutney, the sambar will be pretty much the same. They're not going to add gold leaf because they serve it in a five-star hotel. And they're not going to use water instead of dal in a shini. The fact is, pricing is always going to be market-driven. The ingredients are more or less the same. So by going to a fancy place, you're not necessarily getting uh, something really that different. The fun part about the restaurant business is it all boils down to what's called operating profit margin. And if this is about restaurants and them running as a business, then the margins is what really makes it important. Uh, some restaurants work on a policy of, I will do large volume of business and very slim margin. And some restaurants work on a, the other end of the spectrum. I'll be content to do low volume, but high margin. Uh, there's no right or there's no wrong. It's about are you able to sell yourself, market yourself, and build a clientele which will actually do that for you? And both have been successful in their own way. The one thing which people don't really think about too much when they decide to open a restaurant, especially a restaurant in today's day and age, is uh, am I going to be able to make enough money to pay back my investment? There is a microbrewery in Indranagar. And uh, so many, probably most of you may not even visit a place like that. Uh, I would expect that annual turnover is between maybe 35 to 40 crores a year. It's a large restaurant, large number of seats. You can't get a table unless you've made a reservation. Uh, and you have to be prepared to wait for maybe as much as half an hour or 40 minutes if you don't have a reservation. And there's a queue outside. But he does that kind of business. Now, he obviously has a return on his investment. Like him, there are 10 people who saw him and said, he's making so much money, how difficult can it be? It's only running a restaurant. So these less fortunate folks went in, they rented space, they put in all the investment, they put in all the capital, and then they realized it's not that easy. And they're closing down. You have to close down when you realize that there's no point spending more money after a disaster. Why put more money? 
people who started restaurants 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, have really done well because they were able to get in when the time was good. And of course, they've been able to sustain their product. If you go to Koshi's Jewel Box, it's been around for over 70 years, or at least 70 years. He's got a great location. He got in at the right time. But the fact is he's been able to retain his customers since then. Generations of people go to Koshi's. I used to go to Koshi's with my father. Otherwise, he used to love go there, have a beer, and have a... And it's become a generation. Um, then the other thing which has really impacted the restaurant business is these delivery giants. Uh, the Swiggies, the Zomatos, and the other companies like that. Today, a company like Swiggy or Zomato will charge anywhere between 18 to 25% of the sale price as their delivery charge, which is a huge, it's a large amount of money. Uh, they're funded by people who've invested in them. They're able to give you discounts. So at times, it's more economical to order something from Swiggy or Zomato than it is to go to a restaurant and eat. The other side is Swiggy's and Zomato's are killing the restaurant business because if a restaurant was only going to be making 30% profit and suddenly you have to give 20% of that profit away to the delivery company, then that really, really leaves you with very little money. If you're only going to make 10% profit, then why are you in the business to start off? Uh, and then, of course, there are other factors. You have to keep greasing the wheels of the machinery to make it work. Um, just buying your licenses and paying your taxes on time is not good enough. You know how that works. But the interesting thing about restaurants is they've been around for years. They're interesting. They give you great food. They give you a change. They make your life. They give you variety. Um, they give you a glimpse into completely different culture. How many people are going to go to Vietnam and live there? I don't know how many people are going to go to China and eat the food there. How many people are going to go to the no forget even countries overseas, even states within the city, in the country. I like Gujarati food once in a while, but I'm not going to go to Gujarati. I may like food from the north, I may like food from the east, from the south. Restaurants give us that opportunity to keep tasting different varieties, getting their food, getting their flavors, getting their culture. Restaurants are great, but they're extremely difficult to run. Very rarely do they make money. Um, and there are all sorts of negative misconceptions that happen with the restaurant. So I'll start off with the first one. Uh, buffets. Are they using recycled food? I'll answer that very clearly. No food served in a restaurant can be unpalatable or not meet basic food safety requirements. Food may be prepared the previous evening, maybe I use the term, because it can be prepared and healthy. There are some food which cannot be made the previous evening and have to be made the very minute. And they have to be made that very minute. But nobody should be trying to save oh, leftovers and recycling it the next day. It's not about recycling. Recycling food is dangerous. And good restaurants do not recycle. Big hotels do not recycle. 
what has to be made fresh has to be made fresh and what can be made in advance is made in advance not recycled i make that very clear distinction recycled and made in advance are different so today actually chefs get paid to plan how much food they need ingredients are selected dishes are selected menus are selected based on keeping a limited number of ingredients and using them in different ways shapes forms colors flavors additions etc etc second big myth which people probably want to ask is are vegetarian are vegetarian and non vegetarian section separate well any establishment worth its salt will respect the fact that vegetarian and non vegetarian i have to be held separate if somebody does not do that then it's wrong but any establishment worth its salt respect it's the same thing with uh, food halal food and non halal or it's the same thing with kosher food and non kosher people have to restaurant operators have to and they do respect the cultural and the religious and the food sentiments of people that's given um and the last thing let's sort of sort of close up with is being willing to test your boundaries trying something a little different going a little bit out of your regular comfort zone can give you the opportunity to try something wonderful and completely new you may not like it and that's okay but unless you try it you never know so be open look around taste around and you never know what you're going to come up with something which is completely new and exciting i leave it open to all of you any questions if you'd like to ask i'd be happy to sort of explain them or try to explain them hey uh, hi this is uday here i'm uh, mrs usha's son in law okay just thought i'd ask you a quick question uh, india being being such a huge market right right do you see um, a chance for like uh, like the mcdonald's kind of a concept catching on and destroying the darshini kind of a concept over there uh, franchises uh, kind of a uh, okay. you know very homogeneous kind of eating experience completely ruin the taste and uh, become kind of like you know everybody just goes to those places just for a uh, guarantee of safety and uh, okay. things of that nature do you see that kind of a problem happening in india let me try and break it up into sections mm-hmm. um will a company grow like mcdonalds and take over all the smaller eateries um i know they will try but no one has been successful so far because of the simple reason each state each city has its own taste so you may have a restaurant chain which has restaurants in every city but they will not be able to completely wipe out or take over uh the bulk 
of the restaurant food service providers in any country, at least in our country. If you were to look at the US as an example, everybody eats burgers, everybody eats fried chicken, everybody eats pizza, everybody eats the same food style uh, across. It doesn't really change. That's what has made McDonald's so successful and that's what's made KFC successful and all the various uh, fast food chains, if you want to call that. In India, we do have fast food chains. Let's take the Darshanis, let's take the Udupi, there's a chain of Udupi restaurants. I don't know if it's a franchise and I don't know um, if they're all under the same, you know, managed by the same central kitchen and serve. But they're all serving the same food in a city. Pan-India, it's never going to happen. In a city, you may have somebody going and taking three, four, five, seven percent of total market share. But seven percent of market share in a country like in a city like Bangalore, twelve million people of Darshanis, is going to be a very, very stiff target. It unfortunately is going to land up with. Oh, I've got scale means you've got twenty restaurants. I'll give you an example of Corner House Ice Cream. And I don't know them intimately. I'm just looking at it as what I've seen from the outside. Many, many years ago, I'm talking with the early 80s, Corner House had one outlet which served fast food and ice cream. They were known for their fast food. I'm talking about 79, 88, 82, 83, around that time. And they were next to Galaxy Theater on residence. Then he shut down because he had a nasty case of food poisoning. And he opened up as an ice cream outlet only. Now, ice creams, the beauty of ice creams is you take ice cream and then you add sauce and you've just tripled the value of what you're serving. You've got a bowl of bowl, you've got three scoops of vanilla ice cream, which costs you X, and you put in nuts, which costs you, let's say, another X, and so- chocolate sauce, which is another X, and you've got a 5X, which you can now sell for 15X. And the numbers need not necessarily be the same as long as you need to understand that. By adding a little bit, you've got huge um, added value and being able to the price. But Corner House makes ice cream, and ice cream is eaten by everybody. It is not Andhra, it is not Kanadega, it is not Tamil, it is not Chinese, it is not Korean, it is not North Indian, it, it is everybody. And a place like Corner House has probably got about 20 ice cream outlets in the city today, even if they've got 30, I don't know. But they haven't captured the whole market. So being able to capture the complete market with a fast food chain um, across the country, I don't think it's ever That's just money. Uh, That's actually very good to hear. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, if Corner House and MTR have not been able to corner it, right? I think. No, they haven't. They haven't. And they're good at what they do. And I use Corner House because it's across all tastes. It doesn't make a difference, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, whatever, Indian, South Indian, North Indian, everybody eats ice cream. And there you are. They've grown very well. They've been very yeah. successful, but they stayed in Karnataka. Good, good, good. I have a lot to ask you, but I'll let the others ask. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> very interesting topic, by the way. Thank you. It's just something different. <laughs> Uh, actually, Prem was Prem Koshi. Of course, she was listening in. I don't know if he's there. Prem, are you there? Hats I off think... to him. He's run one of the most successful restaurant companies in the country yeah. today. So he's, he's a good friend of mine. I asked him to join in. He would have mm-hmm. enjoyed your talk. I'm not sure whether he's still there. Anyway. Okay. 
it's wonderful any other questions please excuse me i am jaya here hello i am jaya here i wanted to know uh, about the darshini you said something i could hmm. not understand properly about darshini you said something now okay i use the term darshini loosely to you know there's the these are the stand up is not even seen There's, there's some here some the darshinis are i use this term loosely to describe um these small neighborhood restaurants which have a small kitchen a couple of tables and these typical tables which you stand at and eat you get idli dosa vare you get uta uh, you get thali you'll get bhaji and that kind of stuff they may not have a brand but they're there in every neighborhood and every working individual on the way to work a lot of working individuals stop there they eat their stuff get back on the scooter the motorcycle or catch their bus and go to work on the cooking cooker on there they will always survive because there's a market for them it just taken away from the fact that you need to cook at home which brings me to another very interesting thing in a country like singapore very very few people cook at home they all eat out oh my my goodness every housing complex has what is called a hawker center which is a collection of maybe 30 40 small kitchens each kitchen may be 200 square feet just a very very small kitchen that hawker center kitchen may make three dishes and there are a whole lot of common tables you go to your hawker center whichever one you want you pay your money take what you want you sit at the table and eat so you got your complete variety but you got a hawker center with 20 different kitchens giving you 20 different dishes that you can choose from or 40 different dishes you can choose but you don't cook at home so the need for a kitchen at home has gone from a kitchen to a small place where you reheat food at best so the darshanis are always going to survive or what about the health of people i mean eating at these hawker centers and I, I think they just the food is great. They they, get, they manage to keep eating. The Asians are always eating. They keep on eating all the time, and they're fine. Yeah, I just lot of soda, soda. Yeah. They have no salt, lot of salt. Uh, yes, and uh, ah. I can't say always because they eat a lot of healthy food. Also, they eat a lot of vegetables. and i frankly as a time goes by i like vegetables more than anything else Very hello hello ah uh, jayant i have a question ramu sure. here they hmm. so said recently we went to a five star hotel uh-huh. and ordered a thali okay the thali you know contained kalan volan kutu sambar ravial uh-huh. everything in small small dishes right. and to so say high class five star restaurant we were right. wondering how they could produce for uh, for a limited vegetarian clientele mm. all the food came within within 20 minutes right and uh, i have a suspicion that it is a deep frozen and heated up for our sake how do they keep so many south indian deep south dishes and serve them within 20 minutes there is no big demand for all kind of avials and sambars and okay. uh, kutu and poriyal and all okay. I don't know which restaurant it is, but I will tell you how I would have done it if I were there. Okay, 
uh, you'll have a menu. Mm -hmm. The menu will be very clearly A, B, C, D, E, F, 10 or 15 items. And uh -huh. the chef will be told to prepare for 20 portions for the day. Oh, okay. So he will have prepared 20 portions and kept it. Okay. And the reason the restaurant maintains that is because it's important for the hotel to maintain that as an identity. Now, there are restaurants, uh, and I said, I don't know which hotel you're talking about. Now, Windsor Manor, Windsor Manor. I went to Windsor Manor. Sure. But they're in the South. And they have, yeah. for them, it's very, very important as a value to be able to serve authentic local food. So he may only prepare 20 portions. And he may be prepared to say, if I don't sell 20 portions, I may have to chuck it. Mm -hmm. But the importance of being able to serve those 20 portions is really, really important. Oh, if somebody asks, I have it. And I'm willing to take the loss of throwing it at the end of the day if I don't uh, sell, it. sell it. Yeah. And especially when you're dealing with things which have coconut, you can't keep it because people will fall yeah. And face it, ITC, in my opinion, again, it's only my opinion, they're the hotel with the best food. That's my opinion. I think they have the best food. Excuse me. There are a lot of higher miss are there. I beg your pardon? In Malayshwaram, I say a lot of miss, higher miss. Right, I've heard of them. I've never been there. So many employees, they go and eat. Right. And they'll probably prepare a very simple meal, but they yeah. prepared rice, maybe chapati, anna saru, two dry vegetables, one uh, curry. And that's it. They've Papad, seen what bada. Papad is there, bada is there. Yes. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very concise menu which that's they have made. Consumable. He is relying on <laughs> volumes. And low profit margins. How is the leftover food managed? Uh, as I said, leftover food, there are two things you can do. You can feed it to somebody. You cannot recycle. You cannot recycle it without taking a chance of people falling. Mm. If you fall sick, or if people fall sick, that's the end of it. You cannot wish it away or pretend, no, no, you didn't eat my house, you ate somewhere else or you ate in some other else. It doesn't work. It may You may get away with it once. And if somebody falls seriously sick, you're finished. It cannot work. You cannot take the charge. So you always prepare or make your production in mind with what you're going to serve. If you know, the guy who's running the place knows that on Mondays, I'm going to serve 100 people lunch. So for 100 people, I need approximately so much rice, so much this, so much this, so much this, so much this. That's what he makes. A restaurant is anything which is producing bulk food and selling it commercially. They'll, and when it finishes, it finishes. It's better to be in a situation to say, sorry, I'm over. I don't have any more. But you don't want to keep leftovers because you cannot recycle leftovers. I said I draw the distinction between preparing in advance and left recycling. There are foods that can be prepared in advance, and there are foods which have to be made right there and then. But recycling is not a good practice. 
I heard there's been uh, some of the hotels are uh, outsourcing that menu. Uh, very possible. Very possible. <coughs> I don't know which hotel specifically or which category of hotel. But um, if I have a hotel and I have to feed 400 employees, <laughs> let's say I have to feed 400 employees lunch and dinner every day, it may make more sense for me to outsource my employee cafeteria food. Yes, 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 yes. It may make sense. I know uh, there are large companies which have their messes for their employees and they're not necessarily food establishments. But they are, uh, let's say, an IT company. They have they serve lunch for 400 to 500,000 employees. They outsource them. Remember, cooking that food on your premises means talent. It needs equipment. It needs space. Now, a hotel is typically in a real estate area, which is high cost. So if you have a hotel like uh, which is somewhere on a very high cost of real estate space, I won't make waste money building a kitchen for my staff cafeteria. I would rather outsource my staff cafeteria. Today, that's how I would do it. Hotels who've done it in the past are a different story. Now, the staff have to be fed, but staff are never fed what guests eat because the staff will fall sick. We can't eat that same food day in, day out. We all love to go to restaurants and eat. We eat two days in a restaurant. And say, well, I want my home. And that's how it is. That's the reality. Plus, the economics of what food you serve to guests you cannot serve it to your employees. It just doesn't no. Money doesn't Sir, Sir, my name is Vaksala and I have a question. Sure. Uh, uh, I, we get in WhatsApp groups many hmm. times some videos hmm. where uh, they, I mean, uh, supposedly they take some, um, uh, I mean, photographs where the puri, for example, used for bale puri, etc., is prepared in very unsanitary condition and using very bad oil and these roadside vendors, etc. And sure. uh, I hear contradictory reports that they, they are quite safe and some also telling that they are not uh, for health reasons. Hmm. So in general, are these scary videos uh, I mean, can can we take that seriously or uh, um, is it for a purpose that they... <laughs> okay, I will I'll answer this in a different way, slightly different way. I think social media is nonsense. Okay. <laughs> Everything on social media is nonsense. Okay. Okay. And because social media is great at taking... Okay. One instance and blowing it out of proportion. At the same time, so many things which are really important, and this is again just my opinion. I'm not saying right or wrong. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I don't have a Facebook account. Personally, I don't have a Facebook account. I refuse to have a Facebook account. Okay, And my wife and me have very clear understanding. She's never going to post any pictures on her account, which she wouldn't. If I want my friends to know where I've been, I'll tell them. I don't want the world to know where I've been, what I eat, what I eat. So social media has just been... There's so many interesting things to look for in social media. So many great videos to look at in YouTube. So I personally choose to look at what I enjoy. And uh, that is, does it happen that things are made in unsanitary conditions? Of course it happens. Do people use old oil which is bought secondhand from somewhere else? Of course it happens. 
is stuff that is bad okay we will try and fix it by putting it in the sun and letting the hope fungus of course it happens but does it happen everywhere definitely there are a few people who do it and you can't stop but that's not the norm that's i want to use this term norm that's a very 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 small uh, minuscule uh, number of scrupulous no those people are completely no scrupulous they give the industry a bad name that's why you got to be careful so when somebody is selling something really really cheap go to ask your question how can you afford it if the server is doesn't look clean if he doesn't look as if he's had a bath he's wearing nice you don't have to wear silk and armani suit even just a clean white shirt or a clean cotton yeah. shirt says a lot about how clean the establishment okay so jayant what do you say about the huge buffets that are there in these restaurants hmm. do they recycle it again because obviously it don't all get used up you don't recycle you should okay. not recycle food. I you think that's encouraging to know. I and the reason I say you should not recycle food is I draw the distinction between preparation in advance and recycling. It's possible that some things need to be prepared in advance, hmm. like a pastry. We've got this big, huge cake on the buffet. It's not going to be made in the morning. It'll probably be made the previous day. It has to be made. It has to set. The temperature has to go right. Desserts have to be typically made in advance. They're prepared in advance. but once the buffet is over is food recycled you cannot take the chance of recycling food okay. and people falling sick if that happens as an establishment you are in very 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 serious trouble and god help somebody let's face it if somebody eats bad food and they die or they get hospitalized there's somebody who will go to jail somebody will be arrested so health and food department I just looking for an opportunity to string up whoever is responsible. I think that's very very good thing to know. We we are slightly more you know encouraged. Otherwise, we all there is a saying that goes that all this is recycled because it can't get spent out. Uh, it is see when I say recycle, let's be uh, vegetarian food would normally never be wasted. Okay, never be wasted. the only thing that may get recycled in some shape or form is um let's say if there is roast meat it may get recycled and used into sandwich but will it come back on the next day's buffet no never if it comes something comes back from the buffet and can be used in another shape or form that same day without it going bad it may be used but that's going to be a very very small amount and you don't make food for 300 people you forecast okay today i'm going to have 100 people i cook for 100 and when if i put uh, let's say um, curry in a buffet for 20 people when i see it coming down the chef goes to the back and he makes another 20 portions and put the menus are kept concise so that you can assemble them quickly all the raw ingredients are cut and prepared and kept it's only assembly that's happening at the last moment that's so that's what makes menu planning an art it's a skill uh, planning is an art it's planning and that's actually what you get paid for a chef doesn't an executive chef doesn't really cook he plans he's an administrator so, so what 
if they have separate kitchen but irrespective whether it's separate kitchens or not there are very clear protocols on uh, contamination of vegetarian and non vegetarian for example fryers when you are frying something you will not use the same fryer to fry both vegetarian and non vegetarian wrong you never do that in i can talk about big hotels in big hotels they do not my experience has been in big hotels they very clearly make sure vegetarian and non vegetarian is kept separate in big hotels they are very conscious about that because that is the right way to do it a small roadside joint or a small restaurant i can't say because i don't know what practice they follow in house there are very clearly laid down specifications for the big hotels there is a, a very clear guideline laid out it's a rule book which you have to follow arthur hill is a hotel thank you father arthur hill arthur hill is hotel the greatest book on hotels ever written 100% <laughs> yeah i got into the hotel business because i read that book oh. <laughs> it excited <laughs> me it excited me so much i said this is the business i want to get correct amazing so if today if you look at any hotel and you look at all these fancy big hotel companies they all have very clear guidelines stipulated for health and safety they are audited with these guidelines for health and safety if they fail those guidelines they'll be held to pay for the boss and especially if they are listed companies yeah there is they'll be held to pay for the boss now if what does a standalone small restaurant do i I don't know what they do in, yeah. but big hotels you don't need to. They will not. Uh, an error may occur, but that's an error. That's not intentional. No one can say whether an error is happening during the house, but intentionally nobody. There are very clear guidelines. In okay. fact, um, there is a. It's called health and safety. There's a full form of it. I don't know the thing offhand, but there's a guideline which. people can get sacked if they fail that exam that's it thank you That's any it. more questions any more questions so i think i have a question which which will probably put a lot of people uh, at ease when they go and eat at a large restaurant hmm. what happens to the food that is left over at the end of the day a lot of it will get thrown a lot of it will get thrown not sold uh, uh not donated to hungry people nothing of that nature see what happens is if you donate food and somebody and that food is not handled properly after it leaves your premises and somebody falls sick the responsibility is yours okay so i'll give you another example in some hotels they will actually say no we will not give you curd rice on the menu we'll give you curd and we'll give you rice separate 
No. Yeah. So that because does get contaminated. It doesn't deteriorate and get the uh, growth of bacteria. Okay. I'll give you curd, I'll give you rice, and you can mix it yourself. But I will not mix curd rice because mixing curd rice gets mixed earlier and then the bacteria <laughs> come grows. And you give, you, in the best of intentions, you give food to an agency who is supposed to be distributing it needy. If something happens between the time it leaves your premises and it is served to those children or those people, responsibility is yours. So I would rather win it mm. than give it to charity. And it may sound callous, but you can't take the chance. Because yeah. if somebody falls sick, there is it's bad for that person and it's very bad for their staff. So either the amount of wastage from restaurants is so small that there isn't market for a food that's left at the end of the day? No, there is a... Direct... Okay. Uh, wastage is there. Okay, And this wastage is not only cooked food, but it's in the production process. There is heavy wastage in the production process. Um, and finally, this is segregated into wet garbage, dry garbage, always has. Wet garbage will go into refrigerated uh, cold rooms and then get disposed of. With the Municipal garbage cleaning, or something equivalent to the municipal garbage. Uh, the caliber of a good chef is to keep that wastage down. And if he keeps that wastage down, then I go back to the term food cost, which is the cost of raw ingredients, comes down. Cost of raw ingredients comes down, the profit goes up, he gets an extra gold star in his book. If he's not able to control that, his cost goes haywire and he gets a dunda because it's a business and he's not able to make the money. Government of India has initiated elderly toll-free number 14567. Elders or anyone on behalf of elders can call between morning 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for any questions or queries and support to elderly.